You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Breakfast of Champions, part one of three. Enjoy. Highway Church, uh, our purpose is really simple. It's to lead people into relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. Very simple. No more, no less. Into the relationship with the real Jesus. And we realize that Jesus never intended to establish a religion. That he came that we might know the Father in a real everyday relationship. And that's what we want for you. We want you to know Jesus when you wake up in the morning, when you're doing the dishes, when you're at work, when you're at home, when you're spending time together as a family and with friends. We want you to know his presence and his love for you. So that's what we're all about is relationship with him, okay? And as a result of people realizing how much he loves them, and as a result of all of us growing in that love and growing in that real relationship with the real Jesus, we have a vision. We see a vibrant, growing church where people are experiencing God and moving forward in his destiny for their lives. That's the vision of Highway Church. The purpose is to lead people into relationship with Jesus Christ. And our vision is we see a vibrant, growing church where people are experiencing God and moving forward in his destiny for their lives. And that's what we're all about. So welcome. So come on the journey with us. It's going to be fun. Uh, we're going to get into a brand new series this morning. It's a three-part series. Uh, did anyone have breakfast this morning? Anyone? How many people don't eat breakfast? You're not, uh, no, really? Some people are like, a, don't do breakfast. And I look forward to breakfast. Uh, 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 all right, children, young people, how about breakfast cereal? Is it, what, what are some, some favorite breakfast cereals? Dana, Fruit Loops. All right, Xander, do you have a favorite breakfast cereal? Yogurt Flakes, awesome. Have you guys ever heard of a cereal called Wheaties? Xander, have you ever heard of Wheaties? No? How about you, Dana? Have you ever heard of Wheaties? No? Anyone here ever heard of Wheaties? All right. What's the slogan of Wheaties? Yeah, Breakfast of Champions. Well, that's the title of our new series, okay? Breakfast of Champions. Yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to learn three things. So the first Sunday today, we're going to learn that we were made to win. Yeah, we were made to win, to overcome in every area of life. Then next Sunday, we're going to learn that Jesus is the breakfast of champions. He is. And the following Sunday, we're going to learn that faith in Jesus brings about victory in every area of our lives, okay? So let's get right into the Word, and we're going to start out by uh, just looking at our Father. How many people have watched the Olympics so far? Olympics, Xander? Yeah? Awesome. Olympics. It was, I read a stat that kind of blew my mind. It said that 3.5 billion people, that's with a B, watched the opening ceremonies. 3.5 billion people. That's, that's a lot of people, right? More than we can fit in here, right? That's like half the world's population. Why is it, do you think, that we like to watch the Olympics? Do you ever think about that? Or why do we like to watch sporting events? Or why do we like to see success stories on TV or American Idol or in movies or read about people that have, have been successful? It's because we like to see people win, right? Isn't that the heart of a father? You want to see your children do well. 
right? We like to see people win. And why do we like to see people win? Have you ever thought about that? Why do we like to see people win? Well, it's because we were made to win. You believe that? We were made to win. Now you say, Pastor Joseph, what do you mean we were made to win? Are you talking about checkers and chess and football and video games? Actually, I'm talking about something much more important than the Olympics or sporting events. I'm talking about your everyday life, that God made you to overcome any obstacle that would oppose his will for your life. That's how we're made. We're made to overcome anything that would oppose the will of God for our lives and to reign on his behalf in the earth. Now, not all of us have been gifted to be Olympic athletes like myself. (laughs) Yeah, moving right along. But all of us, it is the will of God for all of us to overcome and to win in life. So that's what we're going we're gonna to realize and grow in this morning. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it's on the screen here, verse 14. We can read that together. This is, this is straight from the, the manual of victory here, from the winning book. And it says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph. Wow, did he have to say always? Yeah, he did. That's who he is. He's the always God. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph. Let's go to the next translation. This is the Moffat translation. I like this one. Wherever I go, thank God. He makes my life a constant pageant of triumph in Christ. Wow. Now, this might be foreign to our hearts and to our minds, but you know, when, when, you, when you realize who made you, you then can begin to understand who you were meant to be. See? When you get to know the one who made you, you begin to understand who you really are. If you don't know the one who made you, you're not going to understand who you really are. So let's take a look at the champion of all champions. And let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, you see, we were made, all of us, no matter where you're from or who you are, we were all made in the image of God. Isn't that amazing? He made us in his likeness and in his image. So we're made in the image of the champion of champions. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. And let's, let's, we're going to start reading, but before we do, now Genesis chapter 1 is an amazing chapter, and in verse 3, six days of amazing happens, like mind-blowing, uh, planet-restoring, star-producing, universe-changing, God only can do this amazing, begins in verse 3, but before verse 3, there are two really important verses, and let's start in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1, Eden, can you put that up there for us? You can read it on the screen or read it in your Bible. And this is how it reads. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, verse 2 is very important. It says, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. 
and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Why is that verse so important? I want to call your attention to three words. Eden, if you'll go to that next slide. Formless, void, and darkness. If you'll look at those words in the Hebrew, they're powerful words. The word formless means a worthless thing. Confusion. Chaos. A wilderness of waste. The word void means an undistinguishable ruin. Wow. A vacuity where there's lack of thought and intelligence. The word darkness means misery, destruction, death, and wickedness. Wait a minute. If God is so good and he created the heavens and the earth, what happened? These things are the antithesis of God. They are the opposite of who he is. He's not formless, he's perfect form. He's not darkness, he's perfect light. He's not void, he's abounding fullness and overflowing goodness. He's not death, he's life. So what happened? How did, how did this take place? If you want to understand the Bible... You've got to read it through the light of Jesus Christ. We cannot understand the Old Testament apart from the light of Christ. We can't understand the epistles apart from the light of Christ. Jesus is the light of the world, and he's the light of our understanding. Jesus, in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, right after his disciples came back, so excited, they said, Lord, even the devils, the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said something very important. He said, behold, I saw Satan like lightning fall from heaven. What was he referring to? Before Satan was Satan, we can learn this through the scriptures. Before Satan was Satan, he was Lucifer, the archangel of light. He was a leader of the angels. And somewhere in the course of time, he became prideful and conceited and arrogant. And he began to jealously long for the throne of Christ to the point that he began to convince some of the other angels to rebel against Christ, to rebel against God the Father and try and take over the throne. And Jesus tells us how long that rebellion took. He said, I saw him fall like lightning, falls from the sky. In other words, as soon as they began that rebellion, they were cast down from heaven, and I believe to the earth. I believe that is why we see what we see in verse 2, that there is a gap of time between verse 1 and verse 2, that they were cast to earth and they began to reap destruction and death and havoc on the earth. But what did the champion do in that situation? Now, the champion, these things are the antithesis of who he is. So a champion does what a champion does. He looks into the darkness and brings light. He looks into the lack and brings provision. He looks into the death and brings life. And that's what the champion begins to do. He's looking into this mess, right? And in his heart, these things are contrary to who he is. So the champion speaks into the darkness and he says, light be. Light reign on the earth again. And at that moment, light bursts forth in the earth and darkness recedes. Day one of amazing. Day two, the champion's not done yet. 
Day two, the champion speaks again, and he says, let there be an expanse, a firmament between the heavens and the earth, and the skies are formed. Day two. Day three, champion's not done yet. He, he separates the waters from the dry land. And then the champion speaks, and he says, land produce, and vegetables, and plants, and trees, and fruits, and berries, and melons, and oranges, and lemons, and, and pomegranates just burst forth in the earth as the champion speaks. Have you ever imagined like what it would be like to be watching this? just to see everything burst forth, the earth to go from a wasteland, a dark place, to absolute light, to a fruitful, producing place. The champion speaking, that's day three. Day four, the champion speaks again, and this time he speaks to the heavens. He says, produce light. Heavens produce stars, and stars burst forth into the universe. We're talking about greater than planet-sized balls of blazing gas, so many that we can't even begin to count them, and the champion of champions knows each one of them by name. The champion speaks again, day four. Day five, he speaks again, and he says, waters produce. And immediately, living creatures burst forth in the waters and the seas. And we've got squid and octopus and sharks and whales and sea lions and seals just burst forth into the seas. I mean, I, I want to see the video of this when I get to heaven. I just want to sit down with some popcorn and watch this thing. And the champion's not done yet. Then we get to day six. And the champion speaks. He speaks to the earth. He says, earth, produce. That's what a champion does, produces, right? Earth, produce, and living creatures burst forth in the earth. We've got cheetahs and panthers and kitty cats and doggies and lions and giraffes just burst forth in the earth. And can you imagine, now, the angels are watching this. The angels that are serving God, the fallen angels, Satan, the spirits of darkness, all of creation is watching the champion in action. And if you've watched the Olympics, it's really something to watch some of those athletes perform. I mean, even the worst of them is something to watch, right? Because you're seeing champions in action. What would it be like to watch the champion perform? Well, all of creation is beholding him for five plus days. They're on the sixth day now. And I can imagine after seeing this mind-blowing, earth-restoring, star-producing, universe-changing champion in action, they were, they, they, I, I feel there was just some kind of underlying current there that they somehow knew the champion's not done yet. That there was an anticipation, a course of energy surging through the universe that they just knew by looking at the champion, he's not done yet. And he wasn't. The heart of the champion was about to be revealed. And that's in verse 26. Let's take a look at it. Verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. Then the champion said, Let us make man in our image. Who's us? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. According to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, everything on the earth. Verse 27. And the champion created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In verse 28, and the champion blessed them. 
and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see that the champion made man, and that's you and me, in his very own likeness. And that it is his will that we be blessed. How do we know that? He said so. It was the first thing he did. The very first words out of the champion's mouth after he made us, he said, be blessed. Or he blessed them, the very first action he did. Right? He blessed them and he said, be fruitful, multiply, increase, replenish the earth. We're seeing the heart of the champion. And then he said something very important. He said, rule over or have dominion over everything on the earth. Now let's just think about that for a second. There's no need to have dominion if nothing is opposing you. Right? What was opposing them? Satan. You see, the spirits of darkness, Satan and his fallen angels, were still in the earth. We see that in chapter 3. They didn't leave. Although light was now reigning in the earth, darkness was no longer reigning. God restored the earth and, and put light in authority again. Then he put his champions on earth to enforce that light. Satan was still there, right? And it was God's will that we would rule over him, that he would be under our feet, right? So, in Genesis chapter 3, we're not going to go there, but in Genesis chapter 3, we see Satan come to God's champions. And he knows he can't defeat them directly through brute force because he's been defeated, right? So he's got to try and deceive them. He's got to try and separate them from the one who made them. And that's what he begins to do by trying to get them to believe something about the champion that's not true to get them to believe something about themselves, to deceive them that's not true, to change their image of themselves and their image of God. And he speaks to them, and Adam listens to him. And the Bible refers to Adam as the first Adam and to Jesus as the last Adam. But Adam listens to the deceiver, and there's a spiritual principle that says that you are subject to the one you obey. So whether Adam realized it or not, when he obeyed the adversary, when he obeyed Satan, he by default gave Satan the authority that the champion had given him. And at that moment, everything changed in Adam's life, in Eve's life, and in the earth and in creation. At that moment, Adam surrendered his championship status. He gave away his trophy. And everything changed, and death entered his body, death entered his spirit, death entered the earth, uh, and all the junk that goes with the curse of sin. But you know, Adam lost everything. But in the face of loss, the champion didn't give up. See, the champion of champions, God the Father, didn't quit or didn't give up because, the, because his his child lost everything. And that's the mark of a champion. A champion is not someone who experiences the absence of loss. A champion is someone who in the midst of loss refuses to quit. That in the midst of loss looks beyond the current circumstances and situations and sees a bright horizon. 
and says, we're going to keep going. We're going to get there. We're not going to let this thing stop us or stop God's will for our lives. We're going forward and we're going to fulfill the destiny he has for us because he loves us. And we refuse to give in to anything less than his plan and purpose for our lives. So at this point in time, the champion speaks again. Just like he did in chapter 1, verse 3. This time it's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And he speaks again. He looks into the darkness again. He looks into the loss and the death and the destruction. And he speaks a prophecy of a new Adam coming. And he says, there's coming one who's going to be born of this woman that I made. Born, going to be her seed. And Satan, he's going to put you back in your place. He's going to put you under the feet of my creation once again. And he was prophesying of Jesus Christ in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And that's exactly what God did. So the last Adam, as the Bible refers to Jesus, he came to restore everything the first Adam lost. Our relationship with the champion as our father. Our championship status, where Satan can no longer do what he wants in our lives, but now he's under our feet. And now we speak with the authority of the father, that we would be the head and not the tail, that we would be above and never beneath. And let's take a look at Romans chapter 5. Verse 17, Romans chapter 5 is an amazing portion of Scripture, and it kind of summarizes what I've been sharing with you. And let's look at it in the New American Standard, and let's read that together. You can look at it on the screen or, or read along in your Bible. This is the New American Standard. It says, for if by the transgression of the one, who's the one? Who's the transgression of the one? Adam, right? The first Adam, right? So if by the transgression of Adam, right, death reigned. Very important word there in the Greek. It means to rule as a king. Death ruled as a king through Adam. You following me? Much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace... And the gift of righteousness will, there's that same word again in the Greek, reign as kings. Some translations say that. Will reign as kings in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So Jesus, through the inspiration uh, of the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, is giving us a, 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 an understanding of what Jesus did. That Adam lost it through his transgression, right? Now, actually, let's go to the, uh, is it Weymouth's translation we have next, Eden? Yeah, let's look at Weymouth's translation. This will really help you understand it. It says, For if through the transgression of the one individual, look at this, death made use of Adam to seize the sovereignty. That opens our eyes, doesn't it? What was death up to? That was Satan, wasn't it, right? That's who he is. Death is his nature. See, Satan is the opposite in terms of his will for your life. He, does, he wants you to not be blessed. <laughs> he wants you to not be fruitful. He wants you to not increase. He wants you to not be uh, over the earth and over him. So he made use of Adam to seize the sovereignty. Where did that sovereignty come from that Adam had? From God the Father. 
right? And back in, back in chapter uh, uh, 1, verses 26 through, he blessed him, right? That's, that's the king transferring his authority. He said, now you rule over the earth on my behalf, right? He's transferring. So that sovereignty was given to Adam. Satan stole it. But, but go back to the previous slide there, Eden. But, good news, much more now. Those who what? Who do everything perfect? Who never make a mistake? Mistake? Go to church seven days a week? Pray 20 hours a day? No. That's not it. Those who receive the abundance of grace. Do you, is there enough grace for you? I guess it depends on how bad you are, huh? No. It's more than you could ever need. It's an overflowing amount. The abundance of grace and the gift. So how much does this gift cost? How much do you have to pay God for this gift? Do you ever buy a gift at your birthday party? I hope not. Although you might get what you want, huh? If you bought your own gifts. <laughs> no, there's no cost to you. God paid for your gift, right? The price for your gift was Jesus Christ. So you don't have to write God a check for this righteousness. He paid for it, and he's freely given it to you. What do you have to do? Receive it. That sounds too good to be true, but it is. And we want you to receive that at Highway Church. We want you to receive the abundance of his grace and the gift of his righteousness. Now let's listen to the champion talk. Let's go to John chapter 10. As we want you to know, this is not something positive that I thought up to try and get people to come to church. This is stuff that was in the Bible long before I ever existed. And I'm just reading it to you. But if you're like me, I didn't learn the Bible growing up. I heard a bunch of man's ideas. And I didn't start reading the Bible until I was about 19 years old, almost 20. And when I started reading the Bible, it shocked me. I began reading the, the words of Jesus in the book of John, and I was shocked. I was thrilled because I knew I found life, but I also got mad, saying, why did people tell me all the stuff they told me about Jesus? But he didn't say that stuff. They did. See, I had a wrong picture of Jesus. At Highway Church, we want to we clear that up. We want you to know the real Jesus. You will find that the real Jesus is the most loving, caring, gracious, generous, powerful, wise being you could ever want to know. That there's no reason to keep away from him. That there's every reason to run to him and to let him wrap his arms around you and to put your faith in him, to give him every area of your life to receive his unending love for you. We pray that for you, that everyone that walks through these doors would experience the love of the real Jesus. And I pray that, Father, for every heart in here right now. Lord, let your love envelope every heart and every life that every child and man and woman would experience the real you in their everyday lives, that they would not be afraid and not worry, but know you as you are. So in John chapter 10, verse 10, the real Jesus is speaking. Go ahead, Eden. This is what he said. This is from the Amplified Translation. I didn't make this up. He's giving us some more insight into that snake in Genesis 3, right? He says the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. He's got three motives. That's it, right? I came, look what the champion says, 
that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Sounds like verse 28 in Genesis 1. Right? Fruitful, multiply, replenish, increase, rule over, have dominion, subdue, right? To the full, abundance, till it overflows. Let's go to the next translation. Eden, let's go to the message translation. This is what the champion said in the message translation. I came so they can have real, I like that word, an eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Do you know that's the heart of God the Father towards you right now? It's always been his heart. It's always been his will and plan for your life. But you've got to know that in your own heart. Because if you don't know it, you can't experience it. If you don't believe that, you can't receive it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's look at it in another translation. Go ahead, Eden. The Weiss translation. I came. I alone came. No one else did it. Isn't that great? I alone came. You don't have to look anywhere else. Just come to me, Jesus. I alone came in order that they might be possessing, that's present tense, life. And that they might be possessing it in super abundance. I mean, we really have to change the way we think. Religion will make you think small. Like if I can just get a little bit, you know, just a little bit of goodness from God, maybe I'll make it, you know? God wants more than just a little bit of himself in your life. He wants you to have way more than a little bit. He wants you to have super abundance in every area of your lives. And I grew up being told that that, that was just wrong to even think that way, that that was ungodly or unholy. But God himself declared it to be his purpose. So we're, we've got to change the way we think so that we can receive this amazing love. And let's look at one more. Eden, one more. This is a New Living Translation. Jesus is talking. Here it is. My purpose. The champion is speaking. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's Jesus talking. So it's very easy to see when you look at the one who made you that we were made to win. That we were made in the image of God, the champion of champions. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we thank you for your amazing promises to us. Lord, when we read your words, not what people say you said, not what we think you said, but when we read what you said, it changes everything. It's shocking to us sometimes because we, we've, we've not read your words enough. We've not embraced your promises. But Lord, we pray that that would change in New England, that all throughout Massachusetts, from, from Plymouth and the Cape uh, to the northern borders, Lord God, and Rhode Island and, and New Hampshire and Vermont and Maine and Connecticut, and beyond, Lord, that, that people would begin to receive right here in, in, in these three counties, Lord, Bristol and Plymouth and Norfolk County, that they would receive your amazing love for their lives, that they would read your words and not take what someone else says, 
but they'd realize how good you are, that you came, that they would have life more than they've ever dreamed of or imagined. At Highway Church, we want you to know that you were made to win, to overcome any and every obstacle that would oppose the will of God for your lives. It's our prayer that you would continually move forward in Christ and enjoy the more and better life that He came to give you. In Jesus' name, amen.